Hello, and welcome to the Student Ministry Conversations podcast with your hosts, Russell Martin and Brent Aiken. This podcast is all about equipping, encouraging, and inspiring youth pastors weekly with topics that are brought to the table by youth pastors from all over the world. And now, here's your host for this week, Brent Aiken. Hey guys, welcome back to the Student Ministry Conversations podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Brent Aiken, and today I'm sitting down with Jeff Harding, um, he is a youth pastor, a family pastor, a little bit of experience and all kinds of stuff, but I'm going to let him tell about himself. So Jeff, tell us who you are, where you are, uh, family, hobbies, all that fun stuff. Yeah. Well, thanks Brett for having me on. Uh, glad to be on here. Yeah. So I have been in ministry for a while. <laughs> uh, so I'm currently in St. Charles, which is just outside of St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, I'm the family ministries pastor at Calvary Church. Uh, It's not Calvary Chapel. It's just an EV free church. Uh, And uh, so I oversee birth through college and the staff and volunteers in that. And uh, before this position, uh, for the last 17 and a half years, I was strictly a youth worker or a youth pastor. Uh, I started my first of three summer youth ministry internships the day I graduated high school. And I felt called to ministry at 16, specifically youth ministry. And um, so, yeah, I've been in it and around it for a long time. Uh, in it, in a little bit of a different capacity now, but still loving it, still count it as very important. Uh, my wife and I, Faith, have been married uh, about nine and a half years. Uh, we have a three-year-old son named Deacon. And uh, so I'm a pastor, married to faith. Our son is deacon. It's like a joke, but it's real. Um, and uh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. <clears throat> and uh, I started doing my own podcast uh, back in 2020. So smack dab, uh, not in the middle, kind of toward the beginning of the pandemic. I actually released my first episode April 1st of 2020 because I thought it would be a big joke. Um, but we are now... Let's see. Uh, I just recorded my 76th episode with you. And uh, so uh, it's been a lot of fun, had a lot of good conversations. Um, and uh, I'm having a blast with it. So I'm picking up uh, my podcast after a 10 month hiatus. And I knew it'd be a while it's because moving to a different state, starting a new job, kind of career path almost. And uh, my wife's a lifelong Texan. We moved from Dallas. So not being around family anymore, having a young son, uh, get ready to be certified to be a foster family. Uh, there's a lot of moving parts. <clears throat> so, but I'm really happy to be back recording and having conversations with people like you. So, uh, yeah, that's me. Sweet man. Yeah. And so, uh, if you didn't catch that, his podcast is Youth Ministry Maverick, and we can he'll handle all the he'll tell you how to follow him and follow his uh, podcast if you don't already. Um, very very much kind of same model and same kind of structure as ours, uh, where he has guests on that come on the show and um, just talk about different topics with him. Um, it's exactly what I did for the episode on his, and he is, like he said, he, I am episode 76 for his, and he is going to be episode like 73 for us. Nice. Um, so we're right neck and neck in the same area, um, as far as, uh, the episodes. Um, so it's, it's really, really cool to kind of come alongside Jeff, especially when we're, our podcasts are about the same 
uh, age and everything outside of the hiatus that he took. And uh, it's fun just to be with other people doing uh, ministry outside of their job, I guess, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so exciting stuff. Uh, really cool to get to meet Jeff and be on his show and then have him come on for us. Um, and so kind of moving into the topic though today, uh, the topic that Jeff kind of wanted to bring to the table was uh, teaching goal-oriented students. Um, and so obviously goal orientation is something that we can all kind of just out of context clues be like, yeah, okay, I got it. Like we know what being goal oriented is, but we don't see it a lot of times when it comes into a ministry standpoint or a ministry focus. And so from a ministry context or in a ministry context, what does it mean to teach a goal oriented student? Yeah. Thanks, man. Uh, there's a lot of different ways to handle this and, uh, I think I want to start off talking about how sometimes the goal-oriented push gets a bad rap as simplifying it or even dumbing it down to just checking off boxes and kind of, um, yeah, kind of being flat and shallow and not really deep or, or growing. And I think it's because the content and vision of our goals is, uh, well, can be flat and shallow. Um, really, when I when I think about teaching and growing students to be goal oriented and developing uh, into the Christians and Christian leaders of tomorrow, um, here's here's your soundbite, and here's here's kind of where the direction of it kind of changes for me. Um, so often for anybody in life, but that includes um, teenagers in our ministry when you think about the future and think about who like like what what things are going to be like when they're older their goals their mindset is what am i going to do where am i going to live uh what do i enjoy doing who am i going to have friends with you know all these different things and basically it comes down to their goals and their mindset of the future is uh what i'm going to do and not who i'm going to be and it really shifts to character development because, I mean, we have in a myriad of examples daily of people who are successful in the business world, um, who are rich, who have a lot of status, power, swag, whatever you want to call it, and they're either not very good humans or they're miserable or both. Um, and so, so often it's easy for us to chase, you know, TikTok fame or to chase money or to say, you know, I'm going to base my entire career in life off this one thing because I think it'll make me successful or it'll make me happy and happiness is fleeting, scripture says. And so like, where's our foundation? And, you know, and the other hand, you meet people, you know, we never get to really hear the words of the widow who dropped the two little coins into the offering box. But thinking of people who are like that, who have little to nothing as far as status or fame or possessions, and yet they're some of the most joyful people you'll ever meet. You know, uh, I've, I've told people, and I, I don't specifically wish this for them, but it gets my point across. You know, I, I, tell, I, I told uh, the parents here 
at uh, at Calvary when I first joined to kind of kind of get to know me and hear about the vision of the family ministry overall, about the importance of founding them in their faith and their character and who they are. And I'm like, if my son grows up to be a greeter at Walmart, but he's super happy and joyful and is able to reflect Christ well more than being at a Fortune 500 company and being successful. I'm all I'm I'm all for that because that's what matters. Fruit of the Spirit matters more than college acceptance letters. Um, and talking to parents, it's easy to see like, well, I see the importance of that, but like, what's more important at the end of the day? You know, do you want your son or daughter or youth workers, your students to be successful, or do you want them to really tie into the foundation of life and live out of that? And people see that. And no matter what they're doing, which no matter who you are, how much money you have, we all experience hardship, suffering, adversity, and where's your hope tied to? Uh, People describe you, they describe you as, well, he's really smart or really successful. Or they talk about, man, he is so loving he's so kind he's so generous right he's so hospitable she's so um warm and joyful you know like uh how do they describe you and so really the goals that we should set for our students really ties into their character and who they're going to be because who we're in in christ matters more before anything else and so why should that be different if we are made in God's image, reflecting Christ and moving forward, that's where we should start anyway, not just with stuff and acclaim and security. So, yeah. So not necessarily uh, the focus being on the actual teaching of goal orientation, but it's more to the nature of refocusing or reframing what goals are mm-hmm. yep. and like finding finding their direction and finding their clarity and pursuing the right goals right mm-hmm. okay so yeah definitely and i mean that kind of leads to a pretty easy question i think and uh, for most of everybody listening you could probably answer this too um what are the benefits of ministry as far as that goes like when you when you start to see that shift between your kids going for worldly fame or social fame or popularity in high school or anything like that to being the ones that are like, no, I I mean, I want to live for God's glory. I want to live for the kingdom. Like what's the, what's the benefit of that? What do you, how do you see that shape your ministry differently? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it really, one, one thing it does that comes to mind is it really flips the switch on their motivation of why they're showing up to your youth group, why they're showing up to church, why they have faith in the first place. And it increases their hunger and their drive for wanting to learn more about their faith, read scripture, be discipled. And if you've been in youth ministry for any amount of time at all, um, it's probably easy to think of at least one student in the longer you've been in it, the, the more where students who they come in as junior higher and they're kind of just, you know, a normal junior higher. And as they get older for some students at certain points, whether it's after a camp whether it's just after grabbing ice cream after school or whatever, you kind of just, maybe it might be instant. Maybe it's over two or three weeks. You see curiosity. You see just kind of an internal switch flip and they want to know more. They're like, they're just hungry to listen to podcasts, to read articles, to have a reading Bible plan for the year, to you, you name it. And um, I think a lot of it has to do with realizing like, I need to know what I believe. I need to be okay with 
with doubt. I need to, you know, one thing when I was just in youth ministry that I loved that I kind of made my philosophy ministry around, um, which kind of ties into my podcast of the maverick element is, you know, we really should be teaching students how to ask better questions, not just settle for easy answers, right? And because when you settle for answers or when you make it all about just being right, um, that's where you get into the weird, it might be a little too philosophical, whatever to think about. But, you know, I think oftentimes certainty can be a distraction and even an opposition to faith because it makes it about us. It makes it about our effort and us being right. And certainty when it comes to faith should be, or, well, our certainty is in our God and we have faith that he is who he says he is and he is great, right? And I think about Jesus using the illustration of a mustard seed where it's not so much the amount of faith you have, but having faith in a great God. And when students kind of catch that of like, and you can think of the indescribable thing with Louis Giglio, you can think of some kind of comparison where they just realize, man, I'm this big, God is this big, and I need to learn more about what that means for me. And if a switch just flips for them. And so that's kind of the most practical outworking benefit I've seen where students, when they kind of catch that vision and where you kind of repeat that, help them replicate that and show that to other students in your ministry, when they start inviting friends from school, um, it really kind of catches fire there. And I think that's the biggest benefit. And from that, you see other secondary benefits of adults in your church, you know, seeing that and, um, being surprised, but happy when they see students taking the initiative to lead out in other areas of the church. Um, and, you know, really seeing how the student ministry and even the children's ministry and, and all that like plugs into the bigger church. And when students kind of lead the way on that, um, you mentioned on my episode, having high schoolers go to lead at a junior high camp. Um, it's, it's just so great to see the perspective and then quickly realizing and learning like what I don't know, all these things that I still don't know and probably won't know, but I'm excited to learn more about them and talk with people about them and grow in my faith and not just in my arrogance or pride or knowledge, right? And and that's where the distinction of like knowledge and growing and being smart and successful and then growing in faith and humility, which is like, you know, the kingdom of heaven is in reverse. Like it's humbling yourself is how you lead. Um, and when you, when they see that and you see them leading into that, that's when it's really exciting. Cause it's not just about accumulation of knowledge, but it's about like growing in your humility and your character. And that reflects so much brighter and longer than a flash in the pan of a one-liner or a right answer to a question or whatever else, because if your security is in that, Whenever you meet someone, and you will, who talks better than you, who argues better than you, who knows more than you, is your faith and your certainty and your answers, or is it in Christ? And you're like, you know what? I don't know. I need to go back and read more about that or pray about that. It continues the dialogue. It keeps you humble, and it keeps you hungry for learning more about who God is and how he created us. Yeah, that's really good. I wanted to go back to something you said. It said, we need to challenge students to ask better questions and not just seek easy answers. So how, uh, like that, 
that quote probably could be taken from this entire conversation and be great right there. Um, but um, how does that work? How do you how do you prompt students to start asking and challenging them to seek out those harder questions and those more difficult um, things to answer instead of just being able to almost like you said earlier, check the boxes mm -hmm. of like the real easy. Oh, well, Jesus. Yeah, he died on the cross. And like, I mean, the typical Sunday school answers. How do you get the like, how do you encourage students to challenge um, themselves and ask those more difficult questions? Yeah. So um, as oftentimes with youth ministry, when you want them to lead out in something on uh, on their own, you have more programmed, more strategy stuff up front to kind of get the ball rolling. And something I did uh, several years ago uh, in youth ministry was uh, our, our church had uh, started a new like basis for discipleship and uh, it's for the entire church. And it's basically, so at, at that church, our doctrinal statement was simply the Nicene Creed. And we took that and broke that out into like seven here's our seven main points of theology that and the historical church like have rooted uh, Christians together. And here's why we think it's important. And we kind of made those into like statements and elements and stuff. And as a, as a church, we were going through them in the summer. And when I was going through them with the students, I would try and break down and give them practical application and some small group questions to like digest it, and understand it. But up there talking about these like, theological truths i felt like a talking head and even my high schoolers i felt like it was like just kind of missing them they're kind of like okay and i felt it was kind of egg heady and so what i did for that fall for the kickoff of the school year the whole church was also going through a six-week series on like technology and how to use it well and how to have discernment so, <clears throat> so for those six weeks i had a huge bucket with some note cards in the back of the youth room and whenever they would come in that morning to grab some food and play table games and hang out before um, we did stuff, and on their way out, I said, here's what I want you to do for the next six weeks. I want you to write down and put in every single question you can think of that either you've heard before and you think is interesting, you really, it's your own question you don't know about who God is, the Bible, spirituality, creation, faith, heaven, hell living right, anything like, I mean, anything, you name it. You can go talk to your parents, read stuff, and then say, here's this big old question I have, whatever it is, drop it in there. And we had hmm, probably about 40 questions or so that were dumped in there. And what I did um, when I got all those questions is I sat down with my pastor and we took all the questions and we categorized them under the seven points of our theological statements and everything. And uh, oh, what I did, so that I spent, so we did that and we started off this like new student question series of answering their questions in the middle of October. And it took us all the way to the end of May. And we still didn't get through every question. It was basically the entire school year. And a lot of it, it was difficult. So you couldn't really plan ahead programming wise because what we did was I would change up I would try and change up the presentation and format every Sunday, a little bit at least, of how we address these questions. So it would just be me teaching. It maybe it would be small group heavy. Maybe I bring in my pastor or a few people for like a panel and to and to discuss it. Um, I had some debates where uh, one of the questions was, um, 
how come war is okay, but murder is wrong? Like, isn't war murder? Like, as Christians, how should we engage that? And so I separated out the guys in one room, the girls in one room. I gave them a sealed envelope, and I said, you have 45 minutes to open this envelope, look at the position, and defend that position from Scripture and through your faith. And the girls, I gave them the position of, you know, righteous anger is a real thing. God has used it with his wrath. And in certain situations, it's okay to have violence and even even kill based on who God is and whatever else. And the guys had the position of, like, as image bearers, we should never seek to harm other image bearers, period. And they had to defend that. And so then they came together, kind of baited, used different things. And at the end, I said, for that specific one, I'm like, okay, how many of you held the position originally that you had to defend before you even started? And like three or four people total raised their hands. How many of you learned something about the position you didn't hold, whether it's the opposite or the one you had to defend that you didn't know or hadn't heard before and it grew your understanding and every hand went up? And so that's just one example of what we went through. And if we didn't get to a question in a deep enough way, we would come back the following Sunday and keep talking about it. And with several of the questions, I would leave the students frustrated because several of them would be like, here's the Protestant Orthodox, like mainline position on this issue. Here's some secondary people and how they add to it or break off from it. Go and figure it out. They're like, wait a minute, you're supposed to give me like a clean answer of like, here's how everything goes and whatever else. And it's like, that's not what owning your faith and growing your faith looks like. And during the series, people would add more questions and put them in the, and put them in the box. And so in the bucket. And so what we did that following summer, moving forward into other school years is we would have like a four week series, three week series. And then in between each series, we would have a minimum of a one, maybe two week break. And in those weeks, we would get to more of their questions and keep talking about them and keep answering them. And I never, and, and I can say this, even going back to when I stopped being a vocational youth pastor in December in 17 and a half years of ministry, I never had more student engagement, parent feedback or feedback about students and parents engaging at home than that series camp retreat series bible study nothing came close to that series and it was exciting so um so when you kind of feed their hunger and show them like okay here's where we can study and get some answers from scripture but then where scripture is like talks around things and we have to fill in things like what does it mean to be wise on social media like there's not a verse about Facebook in, 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 in the Bible. And so like with these things, like how do I take that and wrestle with it and own it? It's like here, you have to actually do it yourself and then learn to ask better questions. And then that's when they really start to get that for themselves. And it kind of spread like wildfire. And um, it was, a, it was hard because every week the prep was like, I'm not even sure what I'm going to be prepping this time next week. Cause I'm like, okay, we're going to detour and answer this question instead of this one because whatever, or we have to come back and do this question again because we barely got into it or whatever. And so every week was kind of a scramble with sources, with different things of like, how am I going to plan for this Sunday? But it was a blast. And I learned a lot. I feel like our students and families learned a lot. And it was yeah. a really neat like lab almost of like, here's how to spark student curiosity and show them the depths 
of our faith, what they don't know, what they'll never know, and how awesome our God is. So. Yeah, and I, I think question series in any any ministry, any mindset of like providing that for your students is a huge deal. We do that at least once every two years um, where we spend at least a couple weeks. Now, we d- typically do it as um, more of like a we'll do it over five or six weeks and we'll just rapid fire questions unless it's something like those questions that can be drawn out and say, well, what do you think about it? Um, but a lot of times... Uh, will sometimes, I mean, even just giving and providing opportunities for them to grow from um, seeing it answered. Um, sometimes when we answer, kids are like, no, I don't think that's right. And it's like, well, why? Why do you think it's not right? And just promoting that dialogue, promoting open opportunities for them to. I think we get into a society sometimes where the preacher is always right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a dangerous place to be. Yeah. Um, because I've been wrong many, many times over my duration of ministry. Um, but it's one of those things that like, also like, if you act like that is the way that it goes and you're always right, then the moment that the students leave you, they are no longer under that right teaching and they're going to fall immediately. Mm -hmm. Uh, because as soon as someone challenges what you told them, they're going to be like, well, uh, uh, but that's what my youth pastor said. And uh-huh. it, it's going back to that easy answers and easy, uh, easy questions instead of seeking out the stuff for themselves. Yep. Um, but question series, 100%. If you don't do those now, do it. Um, give the opportunity for the questions to be anonymous. Um, yes. Because that's where it'll open up for some deep questions to come out. Um, And it'll be, sometimes it'll be deep biblical questions. Sometimes it'll be questions that um, they're just not comfortable asking in a public setting if their name's attached to it. Yeah. Um, And it allows that openness and that vulnerability to kind of hit center stage at where everybody can hear the answer. Mm -hmm. Um, So how uh, we've kind of touched on this a little bit. But as far as like a worldview of like setting up students for the future, um, what is the main goal and how are you like with refocusing their uh, mindset on their goal orientation? um, How does that set them up for the future? How does that prepare them for the future um, other than like put it almost pitting them against the culture that they live in, which is saying, hey, success first, everything else later. Yeah. Yeah. It's um. I think step one is even the most eager students or like innocent students who really just want to grow and are excited, they they think they believe something or they think they're like in, in tune with something. And then when hardship comes or kind of like you said, like they're not under their youth pastor anymore and they're like, uh, like I realized I was just kind of, you know, they, they might feel like if there's no dialogue, especially or room, they might feel like they're just in a safe echo chamber, you know? And so the, the key is even with your most dedicated students, you have to make sure they believe what they're saying. You have to make sure they believe what they're talking about and what, you know, how they live and engage. And the way they live is going to be proof that they're comprehending. Like, like you could call it being a hypocrite or being lazy, but 
um, you know, just because you go serve on a mission trip doesn't mean that you're servant hearted, you know, like you really need to get them to understand, Hey, the way the first step and even having this baseline approach of knowing who you are in Christ and asking better questions and trying to grow is you have to have some kind of foundation. Like you can't go to the thing where, well, everything is fluid and everything's up for grabs. Like if you have no faith on certain things, then it just becomes a spiritual cesspool, if you will. And, uh, and there's nothing really to draw from. It's all about feelings. And it's all about whatever. And feelings and emotions have gotten a bad stigma in the church and they've been ostracized and marginalized and that's not good. But at the same time, as a buddy of mine who's a pastor said once recently that, um, you know, feelings are always along for the ride and it's how God made us, but they can't be in the driver's seat. Like you have to realize the truth of who God is and being fully honest and truthful involves your emotional well-being as well, but also just like knowing who, who God is. And so getting, getting your students to believe what they're talking about or what they say they believe and helping them to see it's going to really, the litmus test for that is really how you live. And it's not making sure you're a good enough Christian. So you're like living out loud or whatever else. Like it's just seeing that you're making that connection because if you look at your calendar, if you look at who you follow on social media, what you spend your time doing, you're going to see what you prioritize. You might see what your idols are. And that's really going to give you a good idea of like, do I believe what I'm talking about? Do I believe and own this faith of mine? Or is it just my youth pastor's faith? Is it my church's faith? Is it my parents' faith? Or is it mine to wrestle with? And so when, when that step's accomplished, the way it prepares them for the future is it gives them a better bedrock and baseline to fall back on when they fail, because no matter what it is, they're going to fail at some point. And that's where that truth of Ecclesiastes of, you know, having people to help you up and having people to walk alongside you in community is key. And, you know, making sure that they know and learn before they graduate that, hey, the church, the church isn't a palace of righteousness. It's a hospital for hurting broken people who in some mysterious way, as Henry Nouwen talks, talks about, the one of the mysteries of who God is that's frustrating, but also amazing is he uses hurting broken people to minister to hurting broken people. And the fact that you might be in a certain socioeconomic scale or position or have certain intellect or gifts or whatever else doesn't put you above the same need that, that anyone else you meet has, no matter what those elements are for them, because we all need a savior. We all are in need in a very fundamental way. And so how do you live out of your brokenness, but not like, well, I'm broken and I'm useless or Hey, you like you reduce it to like, you know, it's just according to Calvinism is total depravity and whatever, and make it all academic. Like you have to live out of it and your life's going to kind of be like this a little bit, but that's why God promises he'll never leave you. That's why he says to be in community as he himself for eternity has been in community with himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The church, the bride of Christ is the body of Christ. The hand needs the arm and both need the eyes to see. Like you need one another and you need pushback. Um, you need resistance. That's how you grow. Uh, one of my favorite illustrations to give on like students, here's some things that you're going to encounter 
in your life and um, hardship. And during the pandemic, all of us who were youth workers, the pandemic, you know, face a lot of things. 2020 in itself with conversa conversations about racial equality and all kinds of stuff comes up. And what I told them is 2020 will not be the most difficult thing in your lives. And they kind of looked at me, I'm like, it's true. It's going to affect you the rest of your life. It's not just a phase. It's going to affect you. It's going to kind of mold who you're going to be. But how you step into that is um, really important on how you face hardship and resistance. And that illustration I mentioned is, um, so I grew up in Arizona and I took a field trip down to this place down by Tucson. And um, if you've ever seen the terrible uh, kind of awesome, but terrible movie of Pauly Shore called Biodome. It was based off a real experiment called the Biosphere, which is down by in Southern Arizona. And these scientists created this completely artificial environment and had like an ocean center and desert, whatever, and like mimicked all these things of how to be self-sustaining, create their own energy and electricity from solar stuff and whatever else to like test how can we live on other planets and how can we test things and all kinds of scientific um, things that come from this. And they had this like rainforest room. And one of the things that kept happening was they had these trees. A lot of them were mature, healthy trees kept falling down. And uh, they couldn't figure out why. So a lot of things, there were a lot of things that they learned from uh from that but uh one thing that so the does the thing automatically like failed well like the six the experiment was a failure redeemed a failure they learned things but one of the things is i make you need trees and plants for oxygen <clears throat> and what they realized with why trees were falling is in this artificial environment there's one major element uh that we have here on earth they didn't account for or replicate that's wind. Wind actually makes the trees grow stronger, drive their roots deeper, <clears throat> and makes them healthier. It's resistance that's actually necessary for them to thrive. And when you look at Psalm 1, that's good. <clears throat> when you look at Psalm 1 and how, you know, a tree planted by fresh streams of water and your foundation, all that kind of stuff, it's like, that's how God designed us and in this polarized world where we think of any different opinion or thought as like oh you're evil or you're whatever you're, you're not a christian it's like if you learn how to listen to people well yeah you very well might not agree with things but that's bending under the wind of like listening to how people are experiencing god or what they're processing or what they're coming from that you can't even think about because you're not coming from their position in, in life and you grow in that and so Getting them to learn and believe, actually believe what they're saying and to live it out and then to step into, hey, like life is hard, but God is good. And, you know, if I have success, you know, if they had that foundation, that's how they learn how to be a good steward of the resources, how to really be hospitable, how to be giving, how to reflect who God is in the midst of having resources and having things and showing that, Hey, it's not just about having stuff or, Hey, I'm an awesome Christian because God's blessed me with all this stuff, <clears throat> like a health and wealth thing. <clears throat> it's really about, yeah, making that a holistic view. So that's kind of the process I think of how it benefits students for their future.
no, I, I definitely agree. And I, um, the episode that comes out before this one is Jerry Varner and we talk about, uh, building calendars and he said something that almost really kind of hits this home. And he said, you know, the same thing with the character, like who you are, um, like the way that you present yourself should be a mirror, not a roadmap. Um, mm. he said that with calendars, but like in the same mindset of like developing this goal orientation as like what you are teaching yourself and what you, the way that you act should be more of a mirror of your intentions and your focus than like what you're trying to achieve or what you're trying to earn in this world. Um, yeah. and I think it very, very much goes hand in hand with that. And it's a very, very easy thing to get caught up in, um, mm -hmm. Because a lot of times, even, I mean, let's be honest, even like we, uh, we, there's probably been hundreds of pastors over the years that have had the best intentions of just like getting more resources and more opportunities for like learning and growth to get out there. And then their name kind of gets big and the popularity that comes from that. Um, it's really, really hard to not allow that to go to your head. Um, yeah. And it's really, really hard not to even begrudgingly accept that um, rise of popularity or rise of like achievement or success or goals mm -hmm. um, that you never thought you would achieve or anything like that. And it's, it's really, really difficult. Um, and so teaching students, especially because, especially students that aren't getting into ministry, um, how do you go work for a company like that, uh, like a fortune 500 company, or how do you go to owning your own business and not having a, um, really, really clouded mentality of like success and, um, all that. And so, um, like you said, that holistic approach and that holistic view, um, and giving them that, um, hopefully that mindset that kind of travels and grows with them as they become successful adults, um, they can be successful adults, but like you said, I'd rather my kid be like something that is trivial in the world of in our like culture around us, but be like finding joy in the fact that he is Christ's own. And like, I mean, and there's nothing that can take him from that. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Is there, obviously this is a great mindset to have. Have you come in contact with any hindrances or road bumps or anything that has kind of backfired when you've been establishing these connections? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of some specifics. I think, uh, I think the, well, kind of the first thing that stands out or the, maybe the main thing that stands out with this is simply linked to the biological development and intellect of a teenager. Um, you know, uh, the human brain doesn't stop developing until you're what, like 25. And so um, to under help us help students understand <clears throat> the excitement you feel now, passion you feel now for X, Y, whatever. Um, it very well may change, you know, uh, the numbers fluctuate every year, I feel like, but you know, the college, the average college student changes their major three, four, five times. Um, you know, you're going to find yourself wanting different things, being with different people, having different passions, having those things fall through, experience failure, thinking, you know what, I'm going to pull a 180 and go the other way and try something else. And 
I guess it's uh, it's trying to get them to, yeah, this is probably it. Get them to rest in tension and learn to walk with that. Um, what I mean by that is I feel like living a healthy Christian life involves and necessitates holding a lot of tension well, especially in a polarized world where you're going to be tempted to go to one side or the other, throw rocks at the people on the other side of the cliff and say, it's easier for me in the herd mentality in this safe group to say, we're all right over here and, and you're wrong. Where, you know, take articles by, oh gosh, Tim Keller, Ed Stetzer, different people, you name it, of like, whether it's politics, whether it's certain principles, whether it's social issues of like, you're never going to be perfectly in alignment with any human ideology. It's, it's, not, it's not about being on this side or this side or even just in the middle. It's about knowing how to skirt around and move swiftly and smartly and faithfully of following God's kingdom, right? John 18, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it was, people will be fighting for me to not be handed in, into the hands of, of the Jews and people who want to arrest me, but that's not what this kingdom is about. It's different. And, you know, praying for his disciples a few chapters earlier or chapter earlier in the high priestly prayer of like, God, protect them from the evil one, have them re remind them as they're in the world that they're not of the world. And, um, it's just really making sure students are prepared to have their boat rocked several times, even if they've landed at this like awareness of the truth and how to live and the right answers and let's go. And it could be next year, next decade, next week that they fall on their face or something happens or life hits or something, you know, and to have them realize that there's grace there's forgiveness you still need a savior no matter how long you've been a, a christian and how oh, well you have things put together and <clears throat> and so really just to have them temper their expectations make sure they know the difficulty that lies ahead but not to depress them to just prepare them well and to remind them of the joy we have in christ the hope we have in christ hope is the eternal separator literally <laughs> where people who think this is it or people who have their hope and who knows what or knowledge or people or whatever else versus the hope we have in christ knowing not just for eternity but now before that um you know uh francis chan i watched him use an illustration once of like uh, a boat rope and how thick that stuff is and how the end of those ropes usually has like a little red part uh to see the end of it to tie whatever and the rest of the rope is white and it's like super long he's like this is your life this is eternity like right now matters for all this and so um to really just kind of to use a a term that you used earlier i can't remember if it was on my episode or not of like being ready to have your head in the game and really just to be prepared for what real life is going to be like outside of the, what can often be a controlled safe environment of a youth ministry or a church. And uh, if that's not, if the expectations aren't tempered, well, you can teach people, you can model for them. Um, but the major downfall is what we all share, which is just our own pride, our own selfishness, our impatience, our need to control all of that distorting 
what God has in, in mind for us and in store for us. And even when, when we falter, he still has great things in store, just takes a turn that we didn't think was coming. Um, we often measure what's good in our definitions. Everything's through our timing. And so that's the um, good equalizer of like realizing that everything we see is like this side of the clouds, if you will. And we're trying to worship and follow God who's like this side. And it's um, not ever being in control, always being humbled, having joy in the midst of that. It's so much easier to say than to live out. And that goes for us as youth workers too, not just students. And so them seeing our depravity, them seeing our failures, them seeing how we wrestle with things, how we ask for forgiveness, uh, when, when we're wrong about things, you know, owning that and like just seeing real life and knowing real life is coming. That's the biggest landmine, if you will, to be aware of. And based on people's personalities or what you know, maybe they've struggled with addiction before or what their temptations are, all of that kind of spirals in different rabbit trails of like potential landmines and dangers for them. But the main thing is unfortunately just who we are uh, in a sinful world and trying to um, square that with who we are as made in the image of God and followers of Jesus. And it's like oil and water and it's really hard to hold that tension, but yeah, say, Hey, here's a great Christian life. Here's some tension. Walk with that, grow in that, have fun. It's not really a happy, feel good message, but it's a, it's a necessary one. You know, when scripture talks about iron sharpening iron, that's not a happy go lucky, you know, getting hit with a pillow feeling it's, it can be rough, but it's for our good. Um, so yeah, no, I, I I very much agree. I mean, when Jesus says in this world you will have troubles, like I don't I don't think it's like a you maybe like he's like no you will like yeah there will oh, be problems. I, I love so that. Yeah, I love that. Teaching it's the last that tenacity yeah. is super super important because yeah. like being able to be okay with the boat rocking, um, like you said, is really really important. And I love the. I love what you brought up about the uh, the trees not being able to survive in that dome. Mm -hmm. uh, just the mindset of sometimes we are like, man, I would, I would love a world where I didn't have to struggle. And it's like, would you? Um, because in the grand scheme of things, like struggle is what makes us. Mm -hmm. Like if if we don't have struggle and if we don't teach students to struggle, um, like, I don't know, like life does not seem near as exciting um life yeah. <laughs> seems a lot more mundane yeah uh, i'm a i'm a huge 10th avenue north fan um and uh they like their song uh off of one of their albums you know hallelujah we're free to struggle like mm. like it's okay to have that struggle but at the same time like christ made it so we don't have to struggle to be free yeah um and i think there's a really really um important distinction right there is like a lot of people get into the Christian life and up in, in all honesty, it's a lot of youth pastors and pastors faults too, where they paint this perfect picture of like, Oh yeah. Like everything's great. Like this, th like my life's perfect. Cause God has me kind of thing like that. And it's like, no, like if anything, you are setting up everybody that looks to you for failure. Mm -hmm. Um, I am honest with my students. I, I mean, like I literally had deer and headlights moment a couple weeks ago when I, the started with a series on like how to overcome dark times and dark moments in your life. And I was like, you know, I'm going to be honest, guys, I almost quit youth ministry last year. And they were like, mm. what? 
that you almost left why and like so but it brings up one of those things it's like you know life was hard i was really really doubting my choice i was doubting my decisions to uh, like if god wanted me to still be here all these different things and i was like god grew me out of that and like that doubt has become confirmation but i was like there has to be those moments of struggle otherwise you're still stuck wherever you were yep like mm-hmm. basically the only thing with like challenging or doubts or anything like that is it's like, man, do I have the right shoes on for this journey? Um, Like, am I about to like trek through mud or am I about to trek uphill or like what's going on? And like, sometimes we think we're ready for whatever's ahead of us and we slip and fall and we're like, Oh wait, maybe I need to reassess. Maybe I need to evaluate where I am and then find a different route to take this head on. Mm-hmm. Um, And that is a huge part of our faith. Um, And like, we're doing a disservice to people around us if we don't, present that to them as well. So yeah. super, super important. Um, for the youth pastor that is listening, um, cause we do have young and old youth pastors definitely. Um, and they want to give this a try in their ministry. Maybe this hasn't been a focal point of how they presented the gospel, but now they're seeing the value of it. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you recommend that they start with this? Yeah. Great question. Um, I would say, well, even just tag on to what you just said uh, in the upper room discourse at the end. Um, a few a few ways you can start with this. One, um, talking about what it means to have peace. The last thing Jesus says before the high priestly prayer and going to the Mount of Olives to pray is in the same breath, he's like, um, find peace and rest in me. Next sentence. In this world, you will have tribulation i love how some um translations say in this world you will always have suffering and yet he just promised you you can and will have peace in me and we equate peace with lack of conflict that's not the peace he's talking about uh the peace he's talking about is kind of similar to how you can have joy in the midst of suffering um it's not happiness it's joy and you look throughout scripture and Old Testament and how joy is described. And it's basically being in the presence of and feeling the presence of God. That's what joy is. And ultimately, happiness is great. Uh, emotions, like I said, they're how God made us. They're before the fall. We feel as God feels. It's great. But for us in this state, happiness is ultimately a chemical reaction. And joy is the presence of our triune God. And so it's night and day, not even the same playing field. And so to start off with the final thing Jesus says to his disciples, his best friends for years been following a ministry, he says this, like, rest in me, have peace in me. You're always going to have suffering, you know, and um, almost like being thankful that you were suffering in my name, like, and Peter echoes that in his epistles, Paul, of course, you know, um, just about every, with the exception of maybe John on on Patmos when he wrote Revelation, just about every disciple died a horrible martyr death. Um, And, you know, what does peace mean? Um, A second place to start, I think would be, um, and this is another example that I've used so many times over the last few months, and it's what a buddy of mine said in a sermon regarding the fruits of the spirit. And it's genius, genius perspective. Um, 
because it kind of ties back to what we've been talking about, about where's your foundation, where, where's your life, like where's your base and moving forward with things and talking about the fruit of the spirit. And, um, he asked a question and with, he, and this is to his whole church. So especially just for teenagers, just like, if you're a youth worker, you have to just live and accept the awkward. It's just, it's funny or whatever. And so he's like, have you ever walked past an apple tree or an orange tree and heard it going, like straining to push out fruit? No, that'd be freaking weird. And you'd run away. Um, but whenever people talk about the fruit of the spirit, they kind of talk about it, how to apply it, kind of like a fruit tree trying really hard to bear fruit. And it's effort. And it's like, if I try really hard today, I can be loving, I can be patient. And it's rooted in like our works. And it's almost the perspective of, well, look, because I'm loving and I have joy and I'm kind, all that stuff, I'm a Christian. Yet people who aren't Christians, who are parents or just people, whatever, they love their kids, they love their friends, they're kind, they're whatever. That doesn't make them a Christian. So what's the difference, you know? And so it can't, you know, I mean, Jesus in, in the fig tree and it looked really good, but it didn't bear any fruit and he cursed it. And it's like a tree or a plant can look good. But, you know, I took the students or when I talked about it with students ad nauseum, you know, taking back to fourth grade or fifth grade science, photosynthesis, like how does a plant actually live and thrive and bear fruit? It's the life in the plant, in the tree. And so when you start thinking of the fruit of the spirit, not as like results of your hard work, but outcomes to experience because of the life in you, that totally changes everything. And it totally That's flips. That's real good. Um, it totally, it is. It's brilliant. When I heard that, I'm like, dude, I'm going to use that so much. Um, when I, and like, it changes how you're teaching your students and the goal that, you, that they have in front of them, their mindset they have. Um, something that I've, you, one of my favorite things to always talk about is like when we when you have a horse and blinders, sometimes we can get that way, especially as teenagers. Like I seem to learn the right answer. You know, I'm studying for this test, trying to live well. I'm trying to succeed at this game or do whatever. And when you take the blinders off, oftentimes one of the things for me in my life that was super foundational was the Henry Blackaby series or study experiencing God. I did that back in junior high and it really pushed home for me the idea of like seeing God in the periphery instead of just like right here where you're looking and seeing how God is at work and circumstances, people he's placed around you. And if you're like, you know what? I love Jesus, whatever. And today was hard, but today, uh, yesterday, no way. But today I was actually able to be loving. That's the, that's the better approach to take instead of, well, look, I did all these things today. So I'm, I'm a good Christian. And so you're like, you know what? I'm loved. And I need grace and God still blesses me and uses me. Praise God for that. You know, I was able to be kind today and I received kindness and it sparked like something in me of like wanting to be hospitable and it led to a conversation about the gospel and all these things. Like it's, it's an outcome to experience, not just a thing to check off. Like, Ooh, look at me. I'm a good Christian. And well, and the first approach almost comes off more as like the rich young ruler, Yes. Of yeah. Like, Hey, uh -huh. I've done all these, I've checked all these boxes. I've followed all these things. I've done all this stuff. And he's like, great. Yeah. Now actually live it. And he's like, yeah. oh. <laughs> wait, what? I cut all these things and now you need to sell these things and follow me and peace out. Walked away. Yeah. And yeah. Um, 
yeah, it, it's one thing that's really sad for me to see, especially lately is, you know, speaking of, I meant, I used the word cesspool earlier. One cesspool that's super popular is Twitter. And something I've uh, come across of uh, the last few weeks is like, I'm so surprised how many people uh, say that you have to have good works along with faith in Christ. Like it's mandatory. Like you have to have it. Um, I'm like, man, yikes. And, um, and the rich young ruler is one example of like, like, no, you can have everything together and like not live it out or not be, you know, you can hear me say, love your enemies and say, yeah, I should do that. And then go and blast people who disagree with you on the most minor things and whatever else. And it's like, you're not loving your enemies. And that doesn't disqualify you from your salvation. It just shows you why you need salvation in Christ and why we can't live up to our own definitions or measurements of good. And so it can't ever be up to us because no, you're, why, why do you call me good teacher, rich young ruler? There's only one who's good and it's the father. And so like your good works, you know, uh, scripture says are like menstrual rags. That's quite a picture. And so like, we, we can't do anything to earn. And so, um, but at the same time, the life change that you live out, the fruit of the spirit, the whatever else, um, that's evidence of like you living in the security of your faith, not in your certainty and your knowledge and your right answers and right conduct, but like just always knowing, keeping, staying humble and always knowing and being grateful for needing a savior, having a savior, having grace and still being used, even though you know, Henry now, and you're a hurting broken person. So. Yeah, no, that's man. That's really, really good. I'm going to definitely steal that fruits of the spirit thing as well. Yeah. Um, just such a, brilliant. such a challenging way to present that. Um, and mm. I think it's a, it's honestly a better way to present that too. Um, and I will definitely, definitely be using that. So, um, man, great conversation. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Um, love the perspective of how, um, this plays out and it's not necessarily teaching goal-oriented students, but like we said, reframing mm-hmm. that orientation of like, Hey, what's really important in life? Yep. Like, is it, is it really the success that you might get through a job that takes a college degree? Or is it like, do you find your goal and your worth and your value in the relationship that you have with Jesus, which is super yeah. important Right. outside of this conversation? Where can people go for help? Do you have any resources? Um, uh, we might, um, if, you said that your friend did that in a sermon. We might tag mm-hmm. that fruits of the spirit sermon in the show notes. Yeah. If you can find it, I'd love sure. to do that. I, yeah. There's a clip uh, where he went through that, where I can definitely tag that. Uh, he He's awesome. Uh, yeah. Thanks, man. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, one, well, to answer the question, it's uh, gosh, I, I learned just by listening to and reading as many different people and sources as I can and I equal it out, like I balance it, not just like I try to make it at least 50-50 of people who don't share my worldview or my opinion or who are believers who different who believe differently on me on different things as well as this. And it really helps me in that same mindset. I talked about how it's important for our students to know and grow in their faith, as well as just kind of growing in the assurance you have because of your faith and in, in who God is. Um, so you know, listening to, you brought up a few people you've had in your podcast earlier, uh, listening to the CPY podcast or listening to um, the youth ministry booster with Zach and Chad or um, uh, looking at 
resources from Josh Griffin or um, Doug uh, and all those different people who are just continue uh, follow a youth Institute uh, is a really good one. Barna has really good insights and things. Uh, I have both volumes of their, of their Gen Z stuff. It's looking at how the minds of these teenagers work. Um, those are some really good places where I've found um, perspective, which is kind of what we've been talking about this whole time, having the right perspective. And when you see and show them even like with those Barna studies, for example, like here's how, you know, 93% of students your age like to push back on, 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 on authority uh, and not just take answers as being right. And you, you mentioned the, you know, having the preacher always be right thing. Um, that can be really good. It can also mean that like they're poised to fight, you know, and they're poised to like always disagree and be challenging, whatever else. And there's good and there's bad with that. But like, that means that there's a lot of skepticism and cynicism as well. And so like, you know, have, being a healthy Christian, you know, it means being like having discernment, but if you're always cynical, like that's not being healthy. And so, um, yeah, so just some of those stats on next-gen stuff. Uh, this is the first semester as sixth graders for Gen Alpha. Generational turnover. Start devouring anything you can on Gen Alpha because that's the new horizon of youth ministry that's already started as of a month ago, you know? So, um, yeah, so those are the places where I would point you to uh, really to gain good perspective is what you've been talking about and then learn a whole bunch of other fun tips and tricks for youth ministry. Yeah, awesome. And then finally, how can people connect with you? Um, shameless plugs, obviously want to plug um, your podcast and everything you do with that. Uh, but anything else you want to share, how people can contact you, everything in between? Yeah. Uh, thanks, man. Um, so yeah, uh, at Youth Ministry Maverick on Facebook and Instagram. If you wander into the cesspool that is Twitter, uh, at YMM underscore podcast uh, is there. Uh, YouthMinistryMaverick.com uh, is my website. And you can see bios of all the guests we've had, uh, organizations that I've partnered with and that can help you in your ministry with, with resources, blogs, books, studies, uh, job banks, if you're looking for a job. Um, and then I've, uh, back when it was active, it has been active for a while, but the youth specialties blog, um, I published a few articles through there. You can find those articles on my website as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, my uh, personal tag, uh, is on those. If you want to see pictures of my super cute son and amazing family. Um, but yeah, that's all my, uh, youth ministry, Ma uh, Maverick stuff. So, uh, check it out. Um, uh, if you want to rate our stuff, cool. If you want to subscribe, awesome. If you want to give me questions to have for an episode, even better. Uh, I love getting people who are on the front lines as youth pastors and youth volunteers to which youth ministry couldn't exist without youth ministry volunteers. Uh, you have questions, you have insight on things, DM me, share it with me. And uh, I'd love to talk more about things and dive into how we can really help youth workers now uh, you know it's nice to have evergreen stuff but like what are students and youth workers facing now let's talk about it so yeah happy to do that
Yeah, definitely. Well, we appreciate all you do, man. Thank you for the work that you do as a pastor yourself, but also as a uh, podcaster as well, all the resources and stuff that you throw into the world of youth ministry. Um, it's it's an honor to finally get to meet you, be on your show, have you on ours, um, and look forward to collaborate in the future as well. Um, thanks for coming again. Um, and man, we were just excited for the opportunity, excited to um, finally get to do this. And uh, for everybody listening, we hope that you enjoyed this episode. Uh, we hope that you found things that were insightful, encouraging, um, and equipping for your ministry. Um, and we can't wait uh, to see you guys next week. Y'all have a great week, and we will see you guys later.